The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, take your Bibles with me this morning. And actually, what I want you to do first is find the book of Esther. Esther is um, between Nehemiah and Job. Uh, I'm sorry, Ezra and Job. So, no, I was right, Nehemiah and Job. Between one of those. It's just in front of Job. <laughs> and um, find the book of Ezra and uh, Esther and then put a marker there. And then if you would uh, turn, turn to Psalm 37. That's where we're going to read this morning. Psalm 37. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and the ushers will be happy to give you a, a copy. Let's all stand together as we read from Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation." Their, their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with humility and with such a thankful heart. For Father, we know that you reigneth. We know that you dwelleth in your holy place. And we know that no matter what may be happening around us or to us, we know that you never leave us nor forsake us. And that you will redeem our, our soul from, from destruction. Thank you, Lord, for this and so many things. We pray for those within our church family who are ill today or are suffering. We just ask that you would... Give them peace and comfort 
And Lord, that you would give them strength and courage. And just be with all of us today. Thank you for those who are here. Bless our fellowship together and our fellowship in your word. Thank you for these things now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are troublous times in America. And um, I'm certainly not going to make any political statements, but this was not a very... This was not a very pleasant week for America. No matter which side of the argument you fall on, it was a shame and a disgrace. And I certainly assure you that God did not take pleasure in anything he saw or heard. Not that he didn't know it already. But it's troublesome times. There are troublesome times within our own families within our own lives we 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 weep and we mourn and we we grieve for our dear pastor and his wife and 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 the turmoil they're going through and 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 the pain and the suffering and we we suffer with them alongside of them and i've i've shared i've spoken with some of you who have shared some things with me and some things that you're going through and troubles and tribulations and heartaches, worries and concerns and all these many things. And in the psalm we just read, the psalmist gave us some, some good advice not to, not to worry, not to fret, not to be fearful, to, to rest in the Lord, to commit our way to the Lord, to trust in the Lord. All, all these things are good things and wonderful things. And I'm so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful for the peace and the comfort that comes to us through the scriptures. And the faith that we have in God is rewarded by his word. And this morning I want to try to dovetail a little bit off of my message last week. And I want to, I want to look at at an event in history that takes us through the path of turmoil and to the path of seeming destruction and shows that God is gracious and that God controls things. So I'd like you to look with me at the book of Esther. Now the book of Esther is the final book in the books of history. And Esther is preceded by Job, and Job begins the the books of poetry. So the the last book of history in the scripture is the book of Esther. And the book of Esther is a historical record of God's watch care over his people. Uh, It's a book best known as written testimony of the watch care of God. It is written following the period of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem. A small remnant of of Jews um, returned to Jerusalem. However, the bulk of the nation preferred to remain in Persia and did not leave. They preferred to remain where life was more lucrative 
and was easier under Persian rule than it would be being vulnerable back in the city of Jerusalem. Yet even though they chose not to return unto the land of their fathers, unto the holy city, God does not forsake them. What he does for them in this place and during this time is a lesson that we will do well to remember today. So this morning I'd like to look at three lessons that we can glean from from the book of Esther. Lesson number one this morning, I'd like for us to see the providence of God. The providence of God. Now, the book of Esther begins with King, uh, uh, King Ahasuerus, if you look at Esther chapter 1, he throws a great feast. And I apologize for not reading all these scriptures, but there are way too many difficult names to read. So I'm going to skip past all the difficult names, and we're not going to read all of that. But King Ahasuerus throws a great party. And this party is round the clock, nonstop. And on the seventh day of this reveling, of this drunken feast and party, after seven days of drunken revelry, the king gets, a, gets an idea. Now he has a queen, and her name is Vashti. And Vashti is a beautiful woman. The most beautiful in the land. And King Ahasuerus, after seven days, is so drunk, he decides he's going to show off his wife. So he commands her to come and reveal her beauty to all the princes and all the guests. Now, trying to be delicate... When he says he wants her to reveal her beauty, he's not talking about her face. And Vashti refuses to obey. Vashti is not going to put herself on parade publicly in front of all these people. So she refuses the command of the king. And the princes become furious. They become infuriated with this. And they say, well, now, wait a minute. If you let her get away with that, our wives are going to start giving us a hard time. It's like if the pastor does something and the board comes to him and says, whoa, 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 pastor. Our wives are going to have our lunch if you do this. Of course, our deacons wouldn't say that. I know that. But... That was the situation. Vashti refused. So his princes said, well, here's a, here's a good idea. Let's banish her. Remove her, remove her estate. Take her. She's no longer queen. Banish her and replace her with someone else. And that's what the king decides to do. So they begin to search the land. Let's look at verse at chapter 2. We read, After these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done, and what was decreed against her. Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king. 
And let the king appoint of officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Higi, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them. And let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the king pleased, and and the thing pleased the king, and he did so. So a search is put out throughout the land for the fairest of all young virgins, and one of those girls will become queen. But let's look at verse eight. So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace to the custody of Hegai that Esther was brought also unto the king's house to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her her things for purification, which such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids under the best place of the house of the women. So, so Esther, now Esther is a Jew. Remember this, okay? This is important in the story. She's a Jew. And Esther is chosen out from among all the women, and she is brought in, and she is so beautiful, and, and she is so well-mannered. That's what it means when it says she pleased him. She was so well-mannered that she found favor with Haggai, the king's um, I don't know, what do you call someone who finds a mate for someone? Matchmaker? The king's matchmaker. So he gives her the best room in the house and sets her up with seven maids to help her and gives her the best of everything, okay? Now let's go on to verse 15. So now the king is interviewing all of these women and he's, he's searching for his queen. Now look at verse 15. Now when the turn of Esther the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai. Now, Mordecai is an important character also. We'll get to him in a little bit. The uncle of Mordecai, uh, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So Esther was taken unto king Ahasuerus, into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. Now look at this. And the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The providence of God. The king fell in love with her the moment he saw her. It was love at first sight. And she found great favor in his eyes. Now, who do you suppose that favor came from? That's right. You remember Joseph? When Joseph was enslaved, everywhere Joseph went, he found what? Favor in the eyes of those around him. Have you ever noticed God doing that in your life? 
It's, it's amazing to me how often I find favor in the eyes of people that have never, that don't know me, that I just meet. And, and yet, we find favor in their eyes. You know what that is? That's God giving you favor. What, is it, what did it say in Acts about the, the, the Christians in, in Acts chapter 2? It says what? And, and they found what? Favor in the eyes of the people. There's so much that could be stated in the verses I just read, but I'm going to remain focused on my main point. Uh, and that is the providence of God. Providence in theology is the care and oversight which God exercises over his people. In other words, providence is God working out the details of our life. It's not destiny. It's not fate. It's not kismet. It's providence that we attest to today. It was God's providence that saved Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, we read, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was God's providence that saved Noah. It was God's providence that brought Moses into favor in the house of the one man seeking to kill him. Did you ever think about that? The one man on the face of the earth who wanted to find and kill Moses is the very man that favored him and allowed him to grow up in his own home. Exodus chapter 2, I don't have to read, I don't have time to read all these verses. We should take time because preaching is about the word of God, amen? But here in Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10, you can read that a little bit later. Moses was, was saved by his mother and father putting him into an ark made of bulrushes and set adrift in the Nile River. And that basket made its way through all the crocodiles and everything else that was there and found its way right to the place where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. And she saw the baby and immediately she fell in love with it. She found, she, he found favor in her eye. She took him and brought him home, showed him to her father and he raised him in his own home. And here was the man he wanted to kill. And God gave him favor in that home. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? I mean, think about it. That's more than incredible. Do you know that same great providence is available to you and me today? Did you know that? It didn't, God didn't run out of providence. In Matthew chapter 6, we read, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. 
Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Seek, did you see that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know what God is saying? Don't worry about your problems. Worry about the things that I want you to do and let me take care of the rest. It's like those of you who have children. My wife and I raised three children. And our children didn't, didn't sit there and fret and worry about how they were, where they were going to get clothes or where they were going to eat or if they were going to have a roof over their head. They didn't worry about that. Why? Because that's not for them to worry about. That was for me, their father, and her, their mother, to worry about. They were needed to pay attention to what we told them to do. Amen? Your parents don't want your kids to pay attention to what you want them to do? Of course you do. And that's all we have to do. God says, you worry about what I want you to do and leave the rest to me. I'll take care of it. But today, many do not acknowledge the providence of God. Today, many in vain seek to provide for themselves. Their attitude is, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I want to do this. And I want to do that. When it should be, By the will of God, we shall do what God wants us to do. And God will take care of us. And he will provide. Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And today, I must ask the same question posed by Solomon. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, Solomon states, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. How long, ye foolish children, will ye deny the sovereignty and providence of our great God? So first thing I I, I see today in this incredible story of Esther is the providence of God. We, we see that, we see as the story develops, you'll begin to see how God's providence moved because um, secondly, the, the second lesson we're going to look at is the purpose of God. Now, let me, let me carry us along on the story. Now that things are beginning to change and there's a very, there's a very uh, opportunistic man now we're going to introduce two new characters. One is Mordecai. We already read Mordecai's name. Mordecai is the uncle of Esther. And Esther's mother has died. So Mordecai adopted Esther and became, made her his own daughter. So he cares for Esther. He, he watches and takes care of Esther. <laughs> but not only do we meet Mordecai here, but we meet a second man named Haman. And Haman was a ruthless man. And Haman hated the Jews. Now, let's look at Esther chapter 4, if you would. And again, um, I planned on reading a lot of scripture. This should be a two or three part series, but I don't have time. Um, So I don't have time to read. Well, let's read real quickly. Start in... In chapter 4, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth of ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate. 
for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and asses. Now the reason Mordecai is so distraught and he's, he, he's in mourning is because Haman hated the Jews so much, he convinced the king to kill the Jews. He convinced the king that these people were, were nothing but trouble and they needed to be destroyed. And so the king, uh, Mordecai, uh, Haman talked the king into on a certain day, in, within a certain hour, uh, you could kill the Jews without any, 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 any blame being placed on you. And Haman was trying to, he was trying to eradicate the Jewish people. How many times have we seen that in history, right? Uh, Lots of people have tried to wipe out the Jewish people, but they're never going to succeed because that's God's people. So anyway, Haman has this plan all planned out and he's all excited. And and the king says, well, now, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to lose a lot of tax money if you do that. But Haman, Haman says, don't worry about it, king. I will, I will give money into a treasury. 10,000 talents, he said he put into treasury. That's $15 million. Haman hated Jews so much, he was ready to pay $15 million to get rid of them. So the king says, okay, well, if, it's, if I'm not going to lose any money over the deal, that's fine with me. And when Mordecai and the Jewish people hear of this, they go into mourning. And that's why we see, we see uh, Mordecai here in chapter 4 in sackcloth and ashes. Now, Haman was not aware of two very important facts. The first fact he was not aware of is this. Mordecai had the favor of the king. See, the king didn't know Mordecai was a Jew when he passed this law. By the way, the king didn't know Esther was a Jew either. But look at chapter 3 with me, and let's look at verse um, Esther chapter 3 in verses 21, oh, it can't be there. Uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, Esther chapter 2, verse, beginning in verse 21. It states here, in those days when Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther, the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles, before the king. So, so Mordecai finds out, he, he learns of this plot by two of the king's uh, doormen that they were going to kill the king. And Mordecai tells Esther, who tells the king, and the king, the king finds out about it, and they do an investigation, they find out it's true, so they hang the two, the two doormen. And guess who gets all the credit? Mordecai. Because Esther told the king that her uncle Mordecai had learned of this plot. So now Mordecai has favor with the king. But Haman didn't know that. And the main person Haman wanted to kill was Mordecai. And the reason he wanted to kill Mordecai was because Mordecai didn't respect him. And would never, he, when, when, when Haman walked, came through the streets, people bowed and, and, and Mordecai just looked at him. 
he wouldn't bow. He wouldn't show Haman the respect Haman felt he deserved. So Haman hated Mordecai. He wanted to kill him. And when he found out he was a Jew, he said, all right, I'm just going to get rid of all the Jews and I'll get rid of Mordecai. But secondly, as already stated, Mordecai, uh, Haman didn't know that Queen Esther was a Jew. Now, I want you to zoom in for just a second at verse number 14 of chapter 4. Well, let's back up. Now, Mordecai told Esther, listen, Esther, you've got to save our people. You've got to go into the king and you've got to tell him Haman's plan. And you've got to save our people. But here's the, here's the problem. Ahasuerus hasn't sent for Esther. And to come into the king unannounced meant you'd be instantly put to death. So Esther told Mordecai, listen, if I go in under the king and he hasn't called for me, I'm going to die. And she was afraid and she didn't want to do it. But Mordecai said, no, you've got to do this. You've got to do it. Now look at verse 14. Verse 13, um, uh, verse 14, I'm, I'm confused. Let's go to verse 12. I'm looking, I'm looking as I read, and I want to read that, and I say, oh, okay, verse 12. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. So uh, his, his maids went to Mordecai and told him that Esther was afraid. She didn't want to do it. Verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. In other words, Esther, don't think you're just because you're in the king's house. You're safe. You're a Jew. And therefore, you are going to die with all of us. Verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Now look at this. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In other words, Mordecai said, Esther, this is the exact reason you are queen. This is why God gave you favor. This is why you, why you are the queen. This is why you are in the king's house, to save your people. The purpose of God. God had a purpose for Esther. And that purpose is now clearly defined in her life. And can I just say this, that God has a purpose for us today too. He has a purpose for you. Maybe that purpose isn't clear to you right now. Maybe the Lord hasn't revealed that purpose to you now. But you can know this, that God has, we were all saved according to God's purpose and according to his plan. And you don't know what that purpose and plan is, but here's the thing. You need to be ready. That's what, that's what Peter said. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give answer. Listen, we're to live our life in anticipation of fulfilling God's purpose within our life. Not we don't live our life to satisfy the flesh. We don't live our life for the 
for the lust of the eyes or the lust of flesh or the pride of life. These things, <laughs> these things are not important. Do you understand what I'm saying? What's important is that we fulfill God's purpose in our life. That's all that matters. All these things that's happening around our country. People all up in arms and all upset about all these things. Which really and truthfully <coughs> don't mean a thing. Because all that means, all that matters is the will and purpose of God. And as parents, if you teach your children anything else, you're failing them. And as a preacher of the gospel, if I stand here and tell you anything else, then I'm failing you. Do you think it really matters who sits on the Supreme Court? Ultimately, who's in charge? God. Haven't, haven't we shown you enough things from the word of God? Hasn't history shown you enough truth? Haven't, hasn't life shown you enough to know that God is in control? And that it is he that allows things to happen? So yes, while it is important as to who sits on the Supreme Court, yes, it is important. But it's not important enough for me to fret and worry over. I do what I can. But it is important for me to walk according to God's will. And to live my life according to that purpose. We have no need. We have no need for worry or for fear. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. All the sorrows. All the joys. All the defeats. All the victories. All of these are God working in our life. To fulfill our call according to his purpose. So you see, I can see from this book of history of Esther, I can see that, I can see the providence of God. And, and I can see the purpose of God coming forward in the life of Esther. And it'll do the same in our lives. But then thirdly, there's something that I, I see, and that is the protection of God. Esther, let's go to chapter 7. Now, I want you to see this because you see, Haman's plot turned around on his own head. Because Esther did. She did go to the king. She went in unannounced. And when the king looked at her, God's favor worked once again and he extended his scepter to her, meaning, come on in. And she came in and the rest, as they say, is history. Look at verse 10. Actually, let's back up all the way. Let's read, let's read the whole chapter. It's too good. So before we read it, though, listen, Esther went to the king and she, she told the king, she said, I'm, 
I'm going to have a banquet. I want you to come and I want you to bring Haman with you. Ooh, this got Haman excited because Esther invited Haman. So uh, Haman's wife says, oh, they're going to give you some great honor. And Haman's all bloated up with this. Oh, man. So let's read it now. Verse verse one. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther, the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine. What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain and to perish. But if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. Uh Uh-oh. What? Haman must have said, what? Esther's a Jew? Uh Uh-oh. I didn't know that. Verse 7. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Then the king returned unto the palace, uh, out of the palace garden, into the palace uh, of the banquet of wine. And Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, fifty cubits high, which he, seventy-five feet tall. He built gallows seventy-five feet tall, so that when he hung Mordecai, all the world would see which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. Now look at verse 10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. I don't think I need to say anything else. I think that about says it all, doesn't it? Here's this, here's this humble, meek Jewish man, Mordecai. He's hated by Haman. And Haman has done everything he can to kill Mordecai, but he didn't know, he didn't know the queen was also a Jew. And we see Esther's bravery to go to the king and to, and to tell the king what was going on. We see God's providence. We see God's purpose, and then we see God's protection. Esther chapter 6 tells, tells of Esther's turmoil in, in dealing with all of this. And how often in life do we see that the enemies of God's people have sought to destroy them, but to no avail. We have no need for fret. We have no need for worry. 
Has God forgotten you today? Has God forsaken you today? So what do we need to worry about? What do we need to fret over? John chapter 15, we read, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We have no need today for worry or for fear from the world. But we do need to be fearful of something. Luke chapter 12, And I say unto you, my friends, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. We do have something to fear today, and that is the wrath of God. We don't want to be found in the camp of God's enemies. We don't want to disobey the Father. We don't want to to forsake the will of God in our lives. In the story of Esther, we see that God turned the intention of Haman upon his own head. And he'll do the same for you today. Those who seek to destroy you, those who seek to harm you, will have to answer to God. We have no greater protection than God. Psalm 61 verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Our Savior promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And in this we can have the confidence to live for him. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For the, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I, I, I have no fear. I have no concern. I don't regret Anything. I'll face anything. I'll face anyone. I'll handle any issue by God's grace and in his power because I know who I believe in. And I know that he is able to keep me unto the day of my redemption. So what have we seen today? Well, I put a statement on your study sheets. And it's this. Keep your eyes on the Lord and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Today we looked at God's providence. 1 Peter chapter 5. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. We've seen the purpose of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 we read having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And we see God's protection. Romans chapter 8. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And my dear friends, I say to that, this is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we're feeble. We're feeble and we're forgetful. We lose sight of the most important things. We sometimes are envious at the prosperity of the wicked. We sometimes see that they, they seemingly suffer nothing for the wrong they do. But as the psalmist wrote, but then I went into the house of God. There we see the word of God. The truth of God. The Spirit of God works in our heart, gives us courage, gives us strength, gives us confidence. Our eyes are opened. We see the truth. Our hearts are, are strengthened. And in the, in the story of Esther, Lord, we see these things working. We see your favor. We see your purpose, working out the details in our life to, so that we will be where we need to be when we need to be there. And we will, it will be clear what we need to do. And then we see your protection, even those that would hurt us, even those that would harm us, even those things that would hinder us from your will are removed or taken out of the way by you and your power. We believe, Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. Strengthen us today. Give us courage. Help us, help us to walk daily in the power of the Holy Spirit and to fulfill your purpose in our lives. Thank you for all that are here today. I pray this message would have been received and in the spirit that it was given. And Lord, I, I pray that you would use it in our lives. Thank you for all these things. Now we, we ask your blessing and we call before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, 
Roanoke Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.